Hey, good evening, and welcome to the Uptown Parlay Podcast. Now your host, Ace. A huge piece of what? The, you know the sneaker company behind me, Phoenix Sneakers, or the make the Ewing? Yeah, you, yeah. He still yeah, the Ewing Athletics, like a yeah. huge piece of that. And no other athlete has, yeah, done, I heard about done, that. has done that, and I was kind of shocked. Because all these guys talk about uh, generational wealth, generational wealth. And if you're not going to be LeBron, you might as well try to go this round and just have somebody else outsource and make your sneakers. Well, that's, I mean, essentially, that's what Kyrie's doing, you know, uh, well, now with now his, with his partner, his potential partnership. Yeah. Did you? Yeah, but I think Nike, I think Nike getting rid of him was a uh, backcourt in the East. Who, Kyrie? He should yeah. be. He's playing, he's playing extremely well. Yeah, but, well, I'm trying to think of who's a guard who I thought would have been ahead of him in the East. And then I realized John Moran's in the West. And then, it also made me think, um, homeboy's not getting any credit, Holiday. And, um, With Drew Holiday? Yeah. I mean, they got a better record. He's carrying that team. He doesn't really miss too many games. But it does make sense because Brooklyn came all the way back from, like, the grave, and now they're in third place. And they have ball in their ass off. All right. Yeah, no, it's... Um... I think with the way that the Nets have played, mm-hmm. the way that they have the way that they have played so far this season, him and with him playing every in every game, I don't know if he's actually missed any time this thus far this year. He's played in every game. You haven't outside of that one instance, you know, the the instance, you know, that he had with um which got him kicked off of Nike, you know. On the court, he's been fine. On the court, he's been, yeah. you know, phenomenal. He's been a phenomenal basketball player, and he's showed up and, you know, put in the work. So, you know, I'm not surprised that he's, you know, let he's he's there. And also, you know, he's still a star, right? He's still a oh, yeah. phenomenal basketball player, and he's a star. So, you know, seeing seeing him be number one in in voting in the backcourt makes sense. I'll tell you this: I didn't vote for him. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, I not because I didn't want to, but because, you know, I was voting I felt, in Brunson. That's who it was. It was I Brunson. felt like Jalen Brunson needed 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 more love, you know. Yes. So, uh, I thought Brunson was going to get more votes, and also that's who it was, Bradley Beal. I thought Brunson, Brunson, Beal, him, because there's only two uh, backcourt spots now, so they do backcourt, frontcourt, and people now say it's unfair. Because you can't, because if you do front court only, only three people in the West can start and three people in the East. And all the best players in the East are all forwards. So it's Durant, it's Giannis, it's Embiid. And then the fourth was Tatum, um, Tatum and Brown. Mm-hmm. But even forget Tatum and Brown, Brown will be an all star. He just won't be a starter. But mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's like I mentioned, it's Giannis, Tatum. Embiid, and then Durant, and one of those guys is gonna have to come off the bench in the All Star game, and they're like, "That's messed up." It's like, well, there's only five spots, so somebody's got to, you know, who do the fans like more, and that's gonna be basically mm-hmm. the difference. That's really what it's gonna come down to. So I can't imagine the media are gonna make a legitimate decision between the three of them. Mm-hmm. But I'm imagining if Durant doesn't get healthy before then, he's probably just gonna rest then anyway. He's like, "It's my 14th All Star game. Who gives a shit?" And it's in Salt Lake City. I'm good. 
I wasn't going to be doing any skiing while I was out there, so uh, we'll be okay. All right. Welcome to the Uptown Parlay Podcast. We got Ace and Malik. What up, what up, what up, man? Division division round is upon us, man. It's 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 a good week for football. Yes, it is. I'm looking forward to this. The we are down to the elite eight in the tournament, as Levon would say. We have his New York Football Giants. <laughs> Did he call Saturday it the tournament, night. or was it the dance? I don't care if it was the dance he or the tournament. It the tournament, and that's why I was like, he called it the he tournament. Okay, the tournament. They're in the tournament. And I'm like, no one calls the NFL playoffs the tournament, but that is what it is. It's a single elimination tournament. But yeah, it's you know and. I, w- I have questions about well, yeah, um, it is. the the basically each game now can have bad weather because San Fr- San Francisco's in California, obviously, and they keep having storms after storm after storm. Basically, they get inundated with rain, so they could have rain issues. Philadelphia's in Philly. Each team is outdoors. Kansas City and Buffalo could both get really cold. Who knows what? Mm-hmm. Would it be better? And this is something that uh, the original owner of the Chiefs wanted, uh, Lamar Hunt, he said he wanted AFC and NFC championship games when he originally thought of them to get to the Super Bowl back in the day in like the mid-60s, 64, 63, somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. He wanted them all at neutral sites so that it would be a bigger event and the NFL could just take over, which it kind of eventually has done with the Super Bowl. Yeah. But would you be in favor of that idea permanently? Neutral sites for for the championship games. Yep, for the conference championships and the Super Bowl going forward. So, so no, okay. but only because only because the yeah, the NFL has put has placed such a high emphasis on home field advantage, the number one like seeding for the playoffs and all of that. So, you know, if you do this, you take a lot. You take that away. Right. Yeah. It's the most important game in the conference. And you take that away and you, you know, I think you I think you like you you minimize the luster, you know, so to speak, of why they play all 17 games, why, why every game is important, why your fantasy league runs into week 18. <laughs> like, like there's a reason why they play these games. Um, because that's important. That getting that number one pick was literally that was a storyline up until the very last week of the regular season. If there's going to be, if they're going to do it in a neutral field, like to me that eliminates that need and, you know, takes a little bit of it away. That's a fair point because they've been doing it like this for so long. I don't think they can switch it back either. I think people would genuinely be upset because you now have, basically 50 years of conference championships at home sites and those amazing comebacks, like the bills on the road, beating Houston and Houston down, whatever it was in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember watching that game, but I didn't remember the significance of it. Now they bring it up constantly, especially yeah. now considering that Jacksonville came back from 27, nothing in, the, in like the second quarter. Cause they did score at the end of the half. So which result from last week was the most surprising to you? Um 
the most surprising was probably the Miami Dolphins staying with Buffalo uh, as long as they did to get to. I think everything else, even when we kind of just we were talking about them, mm-hmm. everything, nothing else was really a surprise. I wasn't surprised that the Giants beat beat Minnesota. I wanted that to happen. Um, oh, okay. Even though I picked, even though I picked the Giants, I wanted them. To, I wanted them to win because you know. I'm a lot Lions Bears. We I could care less about the Vikings being in this thing. So um wanted that to happen. Expected. I think we I picked Jacksonville um to beat the Chargers. So I had a feeling that was gonna happen. Um but Dallas and Tampa. Nothing. Were you like, well, they can come back? No, 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 no. I didn't think they were gonna come back. But the interesting thing about that game, and uh, and maybe we can get to we'll get to the I mean, we got time now, so it's just the two of us, right? The interesting thing about that game is if you look at if you actually if you watch the first half of that game, nothing about that game had anything to do with the Chargers like dominating the performance. It was all Jacksonville making mistakes in the in the first half yeah. and giving the Chargers five. you know free field position five yeah. turnovers. So they could have been down thirty five nothing. Yeah. So it was literally like when the when the when they got that score at the end of the first half, my my thought was, if this continues and they just don't turn the ball over, they can win this game because the Chargers weren't doing anything. It's not like Austin Eckler was having a huge game or Herbert was, you know, whipping it all over the field and Keenan Allen was going crazy. Nothing was really happening on the Chargers' offensive side of the ball that made me think like, you know what? they're not going to be able to, to, to catch up to them. And as soon as they started turning it around, that was what, what I saw. But yeah, for me, yeah, to answer your question, for me, Miami, you know, when they were down 14, nothing at home, you know, on the road, mm-hmm. I said, this is going to get ugly. <laughs> this is going to get ugly real fast. And they, you know, clawed and fought and they're another team. They didn't really play a great game offensively, but defensively they came to play. Yeah. They, 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 they hunkered down and, you know, they made Buffalo look very much vulnerable. So uh, yeah, that was probably the biggest surprise to me. I will, I'm going to answer my own question. Um, Seattle in the first half, I did not expect them to get that close in the first half. I did not think mm-hmm. Brock Purdy would play as well as he did, but he really didn't play that well until the second half, and that's when they started killing them. Yeah, um, I was I was shocked when Seattle when Seattle was up, even though it was one point at the half. I was like, oh, they, they should cover this number. They they just have to not turn the ball over, and they'll be within a touchdown for the rest of the game. That mm-hmm. didn't happen, and I thought Jacksonville was going home because I said. Even if the Chargers just kick a field, even if they just kick field goals the entire second half, they just get one per quarter. That's just too many points. You're going to have to score six touchdowns, yeah, and keep them from getting even field goals. So they can't even let them get to like their own thirty-five on the on the other side of the field. Like you can't get them to the thirty-five yard line. And Jacksonville was surprisingly cold in that game. It was like forty-four degrees, but like. You know, cold considering it's in Florida. I was like, I, I thought it was going to be warmer, but yeah, everybody basically had a cold weather game. I didn't think Tampa was going to get their ass beat like that. I'm gonna just say that straight up. I did not think Dallas was going to come out and be that good. I knew they were going to win. 
I just didn't know they were going to win by that much. Even though I took Tampa, I was like, eh, maybe Brady can do this. Maybe he can keep him close, keep him ahead. I did not think it was going to be the beatdown that it was. Yeah. That's the oldest he's looked all year. I took Tampa too, and I guess, like I said, I was rolling when even when I when we did our thing, when we, when we talked about it, like I was kind of leaning on the fact that Tampa, you know, beat them as badly as they did in that very first game of the season um, when Dak got hurt. But I realized as as I was watching the game, I was like, but the problem, the problem is the problem with that assessment is we've seen the Cowboys put up 40 against Minnesota in Minnesota. Yeah. Like we've seen them ha- when they're at their best, they're better than Tampa. But then the, the problem was the season we saw them score six points against Washington. Which exactly. Is- That's what I'm saying. The, the problem with Dallas is you don't know which one you're going to get when yeah. the game starts, right? You don't know which version of Dak you're going to get. I think Dak can win a Super Bowl. If he plays like that, he can win a Super Bowl as, as a Dallas Cowboys quarterback. He absolutely yes. can. But there's no guarantee that he's going to do that week after week. So I was leaning on the Tampa Bay defense being able to, at home, being able to make some plays, you know, get a couple of turnovers that they just didn't get. And Dak just, you know, carved them up. Yeah. That said, <laughs> I know we're getting ready to this, this week. Now they're playing the big boy game. This oh, is yeah. the big, this is the big boy game um, where, you know, we're going to see what, what they can do in this situation. It's a weird time too. I didn't realize that in the divisional round, they push back the game times like this because someone always points out to me, or shouldn't I say someone, I was, what was that podcast? Andrew Martian, the guy who the sports business reporter, I think it's in the daily post, daily news, daily news or the New York post, one of those. The Sunday 1 p.m. games, the four p- the 1 p.m. games or the 4 p.m. games are the most watched games ever. So I figured yeah. they wouldn't change that during the regular season because people are used to watching it. And I think that's why the NFL gets such good ratings because, one, it's on broadcast TV. It's free. So that's the only reason why it really beats the NBA because the NBA doesn't come on ABC like that. It's all mm-hmm. on cable. So And everybody's cutting cable. So that people are just missing games because they don't want to and you know older people aren't as dedicated to watching the NBA as they are the NFL but the Sunday games are at 3 and 6.30 yeah I was like huh that's kind of weird I thought it was always like 2 and 5 no it's always been it's always been like or 1 and 4.30 I've always I've always known it to be 3 and 6.30 in the playoffs really yeah well because the because the the Super Bowl is at 6.30 yeah, but the Super Bowl is always at six thirty. But no, no, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I think this is like the te- this this is the teaser, right? Yeah. You're going to start getting this six thirty game, and so this this is going to be a six thirty game. You're going to have a six thirty game in the championship uh, next week in the championship round. They're going to do the same thing next Sunday. Yeah. They won't be a game on Saturday, or maybe they will be a game on Saturday, game on Sunday. But usually, there's there's no usually they do the championship games on the same day. Um, to give oh, all the teams the same amount of rest. Saturday and Sunday, I thought. No, usually the championship games is on the same day because they don't want to because so every team, the winning teams, or the you know have the same amount of rest. Yeah. They're not dealing with any rust, uh, you know, any situation where one has an extra day of rest than the other. So usually the championship Sunday is going to be three and six thirty. Wait a second. Then that means that 
the, the number one seeds are both going to have an extra day of rest going into the title game if they win. Because of the they have actually a week of rest because they had no, the week they had a bye week Saturday. I just realized that Kansas yeah. City plays Saturday. Oh yeah, yeah. Because Saturday. I didn't mm-hmm. pay attention, so I just seen the schedule now. Damn. Okay. Yeah, they already had an extra week of rest already because they didn't have to play last week, yeah. right? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so you know, but uh, yeah, it's it's uh it's gonna be it's an interesting it's an interesting time. This I think I think this 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 group of teams is this is probably the most intriguing divisional playoff round that I remember in a long time. Like this because I think Jacksonville's gonna get destroyed, but that's just we'll get into that first, but that's just me. Yeah. But I think in both conferences because there are four teams. That wasn't a good game, it was just that Chargers just lost. It was interesting. It was a, it was it was a it was an interesting game. But I think my my hope was like in in both conferences, there's five teams that are. I'm sorry. There's six teams between both conferences. There are six teams that you could easily say at the beginning of the season were, you know, contenders. Mm-hmm. So you have six, you know, legit contenders, and then you have these two teams in the Giants and the Jaguars who nobody expected to be here. No. And they're both, you know, but they, but they both legitimately have something going for them where you could see them winning, you know, you could see them getting a, getting a, you know, a, a crazy victory um, and, and keeping this forward. So like they have, you have two Cinderella's one on each side, and then you have four, the other four teams being, you know, mainstays. Um, so I think this is like the best case scenario for the NFL at this situation. I agree completely. Um, I was, oh, the Baltimore Cincinnati game that turned out to be a much better game than I thought. I didn't realize when I was watching, I was like, it, if it, that turnover was so huge for Baltimore, mm-hmm. like, I found myself rooting for them. I didn't honestly care who won the game, but. I did keep on saying whoever won that division was going to win the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, Cincinnati lost two of their offensive linemen, two or yeah. three. But Baltimore was just shutting down their entire offense, which i that's really never something you want to have happen in the playoffs if you're going to move forward. Because without that turnover, damn, they was done. Like, if they had kicked the field goal, it didn't seem like Cincinnati could even come back and get a field goal of their own, even though they were at home. Right. And Huntley, he played yeah. way better than I thought he was going to play. Like he, yeah, damn near had him. It kind of shocked me. Is it? It's interesting. I mean, well, right. It's a divisional opponent, third time around. You know, like that's just. It's just hard to those games. Those those AFC North games are almost always, even during the season, for me, they're almost always the toughest ones to pick because. They're they're easy to pick when the line is out there. When the line is at like nine and a half, I just feel like it's it's never gonna hit that. Like you, they're always gonna play it tight. When the line is four, that's where it's that's where it's difficult because yeah. you could legitimately see one these two teams like just battling it out, and then once one of them winning by just over a touch, I mean just over a field goal. So that's why I wasn't surprised that it got close because they know each other really well. You know, 
Baltimore is not going to make a lot of mistakes. They're going to play hard defense, and they're built for they're built for that that type of run. The, you know, their biggest problem is they didn't have their quarterback. Yeah, if Lamar was there, this is, I got to be honest. I can't see how Cincinnati would have got the ass steamrolled. Yeah, I think before if he was healthy the whole season. Yeah, I, I I honestly think they wouldn't have won the division. But with that, you know, with the, the... but to me that shows like Baltimore strength is there that outside of being able the way they can run the ball is amazing. Man. Like they were lining up yeah. stats and just and then they fired. I just found out. I just heard today they fired Greg Roman or he yeah. left or what or I don't know. Well, which they mutually to agreed to part ways. I guess that's what they call it. Yeah, which leads me to believe. I don't think they think they don't believe they're going to be able to sign Lamar because they know another team is going to be willing to give him the, the $200 million guaranteed contract. So he doesn't seem to be a Raven. So if you're a Ravens fan, I feel for you right now because uh, y'all about to lose your franchise quarterback for well, I think... whoever they decide to draft in the first round this year. I think the the question is, is Greg Roman the the end all be all for Lamar Jackson as a as a as a you know as a coordinator as a quarterback in the NFL? Meaning, like, was he the reason that Lamar Jackson he de- he devised that he developed the offense in which Lamar Jackson thrived in Baltimore? But it's not to say that it can't be built with someone else. Um, coming in as the offensive coordinator, and when they ran that ball was like it was impressive. It was like yeah, nineties football. It was like the last, last one of the first games I remember seeing as a kid. Is like watching Walter Payton just run. It was like J.K. Dobbins was all over them. Yeah, every yeah. no matter what side they went to, the guard was pulling. They had a fullback, and they were just like, "Oh no, we're going this way." Yeah, get in front of us, but where everybody was blocks. I was like, it's like watching Army play in you know, Miami. It's like they are not prepared. To, to all these heavy run sets. And I was like, wow, you're an NFL team and this they're making this look easy, moving up and down the field on y'all at all. Yeah. Yeah, no, the, I, I, the Lamar thing, I think, comes down exclusively to money. I don't think it has anything to do with Greg Roman. I think it's money. Are they going to pay him the money that he wants, that he feels he deserves, knowing that he may have an issue with his knee, a, a, a long-term issue with his knee, you know, um, and knowing that without him, they are not a, a true contender in the AFC. Just period. That's it. They're already, yeah, they're already photoshopping his uh him into every other jersey of a team that needs a quarterback. And the Buffalo game, um, the only reason that game is close because Josh Allen looked like he was shaving points. The, uh, <laughs> half. So I was like, what is he doing? What, why is he making these consistently? I want to say like it didn't seem like bad decisions. Like one interception bounced off a receiver, so that's just bad luck. But the sack fumble is like I'm like, why isn't he getting rid of the ball? Why isn't he getting rid of the ball? And it happened yeah. twice, twice. Yeah. And I said Miami was going to be able to keep within 14 points. I was like, yeah, this can lose by 10. That's fine. It's a huge yeah. spread. Thompson didn't play terrible. They ran the ball fairly well. I think if Raheem Mostert had been there, they might have won the game if he didn't break his thumb in week um, 18 against the Jets. Mm-hmm. But Miami, like, it's like it's like he had money on. It was like, all right, we're up 17. I can't keep playing so good. We're going to beat him by 50. 
and then he just played worse from the first quarter on. I'd never seen anything like that. Like I thought, oh, I was dead wrong. They're gonna kill him. No, he's like, we gotta ease up, make it look good for the for the bookies and shit. He I look, twice through two, three picks. It's like that's crazy. I'd watched a couple of Buffalo Bills games this year. Um, a couple of replays of some Bills games. I don't think I caught. Well, the only no, the only live one I caught was when they played against Detroit in Thanksgiving. And then I had a conversation with a Bills fan, you know, that we that we both know. Yes. And I was asking him, like, Shout is this a regular thing? Yeah, I was like, I, and I told him, I was like, is this a regular thing? Does he just he just makes a lot of dumb plays? And um, and and my and our friend, he was like. Yeah, he was like, you know, honestly, you know, he's a he kind of reminds him of Brett Favre, you know, where he believes in his arm. Oh, no. I mean, in terms of mentality on a football field wise, I can do whatever I want. He believes always going to work. He believes in the strength of his arm that he can throw it through a brick wall and like that that's and that every play is the big play that it's not about taking. It's not about throwing the, you know, it's not about do, doing the Kirk Cousins and throwing a three yard out on on third on fourth and eight. Like that's that's <laughs> he's not doing that. Josh Allen is going. It might be fourth and eight. Josh Allen is throwing for thirty five, right? Like like that's yeah. He kept throwing you know, forty yard bombs. I'm like, dude, you're up. What are you, trying you to do? Like, like other people got to be do? open eight yards down the field. Like you don't got to win it on every play. And that's that's the. You know the live and the live and die by it um, is what he said. You know, Bills fans have been dealing with, and so it's it's going to be interesting because you can't make those mistakes against Cincinnati, against KC, and then against whomever you're going to face in the Super Bowl. Like these are better teams you're facing, where those those mistakes get magnified because the other team can flip field and score on you right away. And if Tua was there, I think Miami could have legitimately won that game with Josh making those plays. Tua hits. He he has a relationship. He has a a, a symbiotic relationship with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. And you could see how poorly those guys performed. Thompson in the first half. With with Thompson, yeah. Just dropping passes, Waddle. Yeah. You were right. It was like. Dude drops like he started catching him in the fourth quarter. I was like, he's coming back. <laughs> I was like, I don't know where he was the whole game, but he, he came back then. I was like, I didn't get it. 431. I was like, wow. But he played he, he played the second half. Like he's like, all right, I got a little money on other teams. So let's uh let's get this close. <laughs> I was like, this is way too close. Cause like I never seen a team jump out to 17 all of a sudden, turn on, turn on. I was like, and then the under, the over under for that Jacksonville. I just got to mention this because people think it's a conspiracy. Somebody on the internet, on the Reddit football boards, thinks that Brett Mayer took money because this guy <laughs> doesn't miss extra points. And guess how much they missed the over-under by? What, four? Four points, exactly. And he missed <laughs> his first four extra points. And then they sent him back out there for the fifth when Peyton Manning was losing his mind on the Manning cast. Yeah. And he's like, why is he out there? Why is it wasn't Peyton Manning? So no, it was Peyton Manning. I'm sorry, the Dallas came in. Yeah. Like, why is he out there? Yeah. Why is why, why are we even doing this? Just go for two. Just go for two. Dude never stands up in every, any other show. He's standing up like this, like like he got money on this game. They're up by like a million points. 
So I'm like, he's like, why are we doing this? It's like, like he's on the team and shit. Like he got, like he's on the phone with Jerry. Like, hey man, I can, I can kick. I can just drop <laughs> kick him. And they missed it by like four points. And it just yeah. very odd because I had never seen that ever. And his, everybody with the memes about kicking it like a kicking tree and Madden and shit, just wide mm-hmm. right, wide right, across the field. Yeah, it, way, but through the fucking uprights. And that was that was the crazy part is that it was the the, the misses were all over the place. Yeah, it's not and and an extra point, you get the opportunity to line it up straight, right? It's not it's like you, right. yeah. You have the time to just line it up exactly where you want. It's it's a practice kick, you know. I get it. Yeah, there's pressure. Um, four times it's just it, it it literally felt like okay, something's wrong with this guy mentally. After the first miss, he just couldn't he just couldn't get right, and um, that was a crazy that was a crazy situation. They're in Tampa, so like it's not like there's a weather issue. Like it's not that much, right? Weather, but it is what it is. It, they won, so who cares? The other, his teammates picked them up. They had a clip yeah. of CD Lamb telling him, "You we got you. You good. You've been you've been balling all year. Don't worry about and it." He's, and he's still on the team. They didn't cut him. They you can't know? cut him. How are you going to cut your kicker? Go yeah, into the division. That, that's what I'm saying. They didn't. They didn't cut him. They didn't cut him. They're going to need him next week. They may. They may very well need him this week against San Francisco. So honestly, if team if he comes through this week against San Francisco, people are like he was. Someone paid him off not to not to hit that over. <laughs> and if, then if they hit the over on this one, they're going to be like, "What's going on?" They're going to be like conspiracy. Because <laughs> so many people were like, oh, no, both of these teams' defenses are bad. That's what people were – that's what I was counting on with Tampa Bay. Dallas' right. defense had just been bad towards the end of the season. Like, they let the Bears go off on them. And I get that Justin Fields was really the factor for that, but, like, that was the game where he threw for three TDs and 175 yards. And I was like, yo, I didn't know he could do this. He basically yeah. ran to the, the other team's 15, got caught, and then just threw – three 10-yard touchdown passes because he only had like 130 yards passing. But like, I said, okay, well, obviously Brady can't run, but maybe Leonard Fournell will just go off, play off Lenny, as we saw in his uh, hoodie before the game. I don't know what playoff <laughs> Lenny is, but maybe he'll be back next year. Jacksonville at Kansas City, NBC, 4.30, Saturday, January 21st. Who do you got? Kansas City is favored by... Eight and a half points. I want to get what it opened up at. I think it opened up at 10. And people have bet it down because nobody ever believes in Jacksonville because now they believe they can come back from anything. So, yeah. So, so you know, I mentioned earlier my thoughts on um, the game between Kansas, I'm sorry, between the Chargers, the Chargers and the Jaguars being mm-hmm. all about what the Jaguars did and not really what the Chargers were about. Yeah. Um, if you think you're going to spot an Andy Reid coach team with Patrick Mahomes as the quarterback, if you think you're going to spot them 27 points and, and find a way back into this, you got another thing coming, Doug Peterson. Um, this is just, this is a really interesting game. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to see the, um, that did they play each other this season at, at any point this year? Um, I'm just checking to see if that if that actually if they found each other on the schedule this year. But let me um yeah, I'll pull it up real quick. My trust. Yeah, I'm checking the schedule now. Um uh, yeah, they did. They played Jacksonville. They played Jackson. Kansas City played Jacksonville in week 10. 
yeah. um, in at home, mm-hmm. and they won that game by ten. They won that game twenty seven seventeen. Exactly, which is um, why I think the spread opened up there. Right, which is which is where this line is. Yeah. Um, Kansas City is obviously a healthy team, a healthier team going into this week. Uh, there's nobody of any real merit except for maybe Miko Hardman on their uh, on their injury report that we really have to be too concerned with. Um, and so the main thing I the main thing I concern myself with with respect to this game is whether or not Kansas City is going to be able to run the football enough to keep Jacksonville off the field because Jacksonville can score. And the Kansas City's defense is good, but I don't think it's a great defense by any stretch. So I like the number here. I like Jacksonville to keep this game close, um, keep it within a score, and maybe get a back end uh, a back end cover. I think Kansas City wins the game, but I don't think Jacksonville is eight and a half points. This is the biggest spread. This is the biggest spread of the week. Um, I don't think they're eight and a half points worse. So. Although I could absolutely see this game, Kansas City winning by 10, um, I would take Jacksonville and the over to uh, to cover this up. I just want to look at Because I don't think Jacksonville's going to have that bad of a game. It's not Jacksonville. It's like, it's, what's, what's Trevor Lawrence's interceptions going to be? Because right. he has one career postseason game with four picks against the Chargers who weren't getting like crazy pressure on him. He was going where he wanted with the ball. Like those weren't those throws weren't all under duress. So I think he could do the same thing because Kansas City has one really good pass rusher, and that is uh, why am I forgetting his name right now? Not Carlos Dunlap, but Dunlap's on that team. And I'm just going to bring. Are no, you talking about uh, Jones? Jones, thank you. So my Chris, Chris Jones. Jones, Chris Jones. Mm-hmm. I think he's John Bones Jones's brother. He has 11 and a half sacks on the season. No, he has 15 and a half sacks on the season. He's in the top five in sacks of the league. So if he's getting yeah. out there getting pressure, um, Kansas City's run defense isn't great, but they've played him before, so they know what to do on defense and offensively. They threw four touchdown passes at home last time. So I expect more of the same. I'm taking Kansas City. Jacksonville clawed back on a terrible team. I don't know what happened in the second half of their defense. And um, they convinced him to get hired. I mean, they, they Staley still kept his job somehow. I guess he blamed his offensive coordinator and said, hey, man, I, I run the defense. We were killing him. I don't know what happened. Talk to this guy. <laughs> um, but Kansas City, I don't see how they lose this game. I'm going to take the under on this. I don't think Kansas City is going to be able to just kill him. Jacksonville is just kind of happy to be there. I don't see them getting luckier or coming back from any kind of deficit. And I don't know what the, why they're going to be terrible this week. I don't think so. I think it's just going to be they're not playing in the rain or anything. It's a high 38 with snow. No. High 38, low of 30 with snow. So they're going to be playing in even colder weather than they were last week and some snow. I'm giving it to Kansas City. I think they can, you know, it'll be a missed field goal here or there that'll make the difference in this one. But I'm going to take the under. I think they'll beat them like 30 to 14. It'll be like 48 points just under that 53. I think the under that 53 is... Where I'm gonna, yeah, that's my favorite bet this week on that one. And then after that, we are coming up on the Giants at the Philadelphia Eagles. See, this is why I wish LeVon was really here because I want to ask him A, how much do you think they should sign Daniel Jones to and for how long? 
because some Giants fans are like, he had one good game, but it was the game in his life. So I'm glad he had it in the playoffs. But it doesn't mean we're paying him $40 million a year like that Prescott for the next five years. And yeah, no, I, I, I don't, I don't think that that's even. <laughs> I don't think you would approach that with, with Daniel Jones. Um, I don't think you pay him as he's like an elite quarterback, you know. Um, but I think you compensate him fairly to, you know, where he is as a, you know, where he's ranked as a player at his position, you know. So if he's making. 26, 26. If he's making Kirk Cousins money, I don't know what Kirk Cousins makes, but if he's making about the same amount of money that Kirk Cousins dollars a year, yeah, I could see that. I could see him making that. But that's like a lot. Well, actually, it's not a huge, it's not it's not cap crushing, but it's a huge part of the cap because he's going to get it, like two grand, two years guaranteed, three years guaranteed. That means you're locking yourself in. It is two, three more yeah. years. With Daniel Jones here. It is, and I think, I think, but I think to your point. Ace, I think it's the years. I don't think it's the money. I think it's the years. I think it's how many years are you committing based off of this, what he's done this season, what he did in that last game? How many years are you committing to the Daniel Jones uh, experience, you know, uh, on the Giants? Are you saying this is our guy? Like, are you Brian Daybowl and the Giants brass saying this is our guy? This is my guy for the next five years. And then if you do, then the contract is going to match something like that. It's going to look like, you know, five years, uh, you know, a hundred and something million with, you know, 60 to 70 of that guaranteed guaranteed. Like that's what it's, that's what it's going to see. I don't think the num the money is the problem. I think the, the question that I have is on the number of years. Have you seen enough of Daniel Jones to commit for the next five years? for the next six years to him because he's young enough. The, the assumption is that he's going to get better when he has better receiving talent around him, better players, you know, better skill position players. The giants have a good offense, have a, you know, have a surprisingly good offensive line now. So it's not like he's, you know, saying, and he's young enough so that he's going to get better. He's going to improve. What does that look like? What is the ceiling for him? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the great thing is you've got a quarterback, New York. You don't have to go out yeah. and you know look for another another player at that position. You can or build around it, and you can use this money to you hold that down. Your, you could trade your first round pick to the Baltimore Ravens and Daniel Jones and sign Lamar <laughs> Jackson and give him all that guaranteed money. Get Saquon back, and then go to the Super Bowl next year and say, "Hey, we're just going to go all in." Now, I know one Giants fan who would lose his mind because, you know, he believes in winning the right way, which means you can never trade for anybody. You can trade for one person on your team, but the majority of the team should be built through the draft. Everybody <laughs> else, all homegrown talent. If it was his way, he, there would be no college football. NFL teams would have a farm system. They would have a USFL team and an XFL team that they owned and just develop guys that way and then bring them up to the, to the big leagues. But that's neither here nor there. Giants are getting seven and a half points playing Saturday night main event against Philly in Philly. I would like to point out the last time these teams played, um, last week of the season, a lot of the starters did not play except for Hertz. Hertz played to make sure that they could lock it up. They were killing the Giants until the very last part of the game. 
They had 22 points. The Giants scored 13 points in the fourth quarter because the Eagles let up. They were like, we got the win. We just don't want to lose. Hurts did not throw a touchdown in that game. Threw one pick, played so-so. The week 14 when they played at Giants Stadium or at MetLife Insurance Field Stadium, Daniel Jones had one running, one rushing, and the Eagles beat them 48-22. to And again in that game, they gave up 14 points. Uh, no, the Eagles scored seven double-digit points in every quarter except for the first. So I see this game going more like that one. The Giants' defense just played the best game they ever did. Um, from my understanding, Lane Johnson is suiting it up. And the only thing coming out of this week is they had an extra week of rest. His injury, his shoulder is hurt, but I think he's still going to run. Or they're going to still use those read options because that's what they used to perfection in the first one. I can't imagine they're going to have too much of an issue. The Eagles defense should scare everybody. They're the only team in the NFL that has four players on their team with double-digit sacks on their defensive line. Four. Four dudes. So, uh, yeah, good luck to the Giants fans. Normally, seven and a half would be, like, where I would be, but if this was nine and a half, I might take the Giants. I'm taking the home team. I'm taking the Eagles. I kind of expect them to beat the hell out of the Giants closer to that 48-22 back in week 14. And the fact that they played so close recently really makes gives me more confidence that Philadelphia can, like, beat them. Like, I don't – I'd be sh- – look like this. Outside of Jacksonville beating Kansas City, this would be a more shocking win to me. This would be the most shocking win. The other two games, I believe anything could happen. The Giants beating the Eagles is the most improbable thing I could think that come, can come out of this weekend based off of the two prior games between these two teams. Unless Hurts just gets killed and has to leave the game. Barring injuries. Go ahead, Malik. I, I tend to agree, based off of what I saw with, from Philly this, this season, when Jalen Hurts was healthy and was playing um, at his best. We haven't seen that yet. Even though he played in week week 18, he, you know, he looked he looked good. You know, he looked he looked like he was approaching back to his, his normal self, but he wasn't, you know, fully Jalen Hurts. Um and what we also have also have seen is when he's not there, this team has has struggled scoring points with Gardner Minshew or whomever whoever whoever else is back there. The offense runs through him and his athleticism and his ability to run the football, run the RPO, um, be explosive in that in that regard, and um, take advantage of the opportunities with AJ Brown. This team has more talent than that Minnesota team that the Giants faced last week. They were able to sell out a bit on Justin Jefferson, allow. TJ Hawkinson and Adam Thielen and, you know, Kate and Osborne to do whatever they wanted, really knowing that like if we could just man up on those guys. We'll make the tackles that we need to make and, you know, play some sound defense. We'll, you know, we'll be able to, you know, prevent Minnesota from being able to score, you know, um, at will um, because Justin Jefferson is their number one guy. Philadelphia does things a little bit differently. They're multifaceted. 
I think Miles Sanders is going to have a big game in this. I think he's going to be able to, you know, you know, find the lanes and get get things get things rolling for him. And I think Philly is, you know, they're well versed in what the Giants are and who the Giants are. You know, they played them two times already this season. This is this is a rivalry that, you know, they're definitely uh, accustomed to. So they know what Daniel Jones is going to bring. They know what Saquon Barkley is going to bring. They know what these receivers on the outside can bring. I think Philly's secondary is the thing that that scares me the most in this game. It's not so much. I think Daniel Jones can escape the rush. He can escape the pressure. But the way that Philly can cover on those outsides with Slay uh, and and the, and the rest of that the rest of that unit is where is where I lean. So I'm going to lean Philly here as well, um, and I'm going to take the. Under at the 48, I think this gets somewhere around to your point. I think this gets somewhere around like 31-14, uh, 31-17. If it's 31-17, you're going right at the 48. So I'm going to take the under, just under that 48 number um, and uh, take Philly. All right. And the next game, we have Cincinnati Bengals at the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are laying five and a half points, and the over-under is at 48 and a half now. The line opened up at four, and the over-under opened up at 50. So both have moved in different directions. The majority of the money is coming in on Cincinnati. Um, or it was at Buffalo, but it's, it started to come in on Cincinnati. On the last 10 games, Cincinnati is 7-2-1 and one against the spread, and Buffalo is 4-6. and six. As you notice, they didn't cover last week. Um, and... Cincinnati is down to offensive linemen, who I do not know if they will play. To that point, this game is back in Buffalo. I do not know of any reports of snow during the game. It is going to be cold. A chance of snow. Oh, 70. I take that back. There's a 70% chance of snow, the precipitation in the game. High of 37, low of 29. So it'll actually be warmer this game than it was last game. Um. Buffalo is fourth in interceptions on the season in terms of getting turnovers, and they're seventh in rush yards per game. Points scored per game is the two is the two top ten highest scoring teams. Because of that, I don't see Cincinnati having trouble being able to score against them. Cincinnati plays in cold weather. They play in the snow. They actually hosted one of the coldest uh, championship games ever when it was like 50 below. In 1981, I don't even remember that, but I heard that recently on a podcast. I think Cincinnati should be able to cover this. They have the best running backs in this game. Their offensive line may stink. I don't know. It's kind of hard to be bad at running the ball with two good backs. And after how Baltimore got at them, I don't imagine this may, I mean, Buffalo's linebackers, they're not all pros like everybody in uh, Baltimore. And I, I don't think they're better than Patrick Queen or Roquan Smith. So Cincinnati will have more game tape. They were prepared for the last game they were going to play against them. Unfortunately, you know, thank God DeMar Hamlin is okay. But I'm leaning towards Cincinnati because they're getting five and a half now. If this keeps creeping up closer to a touchdown, which I could see it happening, like a lot of people that believe Buffalo could be in by a touchdown, Maybe it's the recency bias of seeing Josh Allen like make crazy decisions and have a couple sack fumbles. I can't imagine that happening again, but Buffalo wins, but they just don't cover. So I'm going to take Cincinnati. I think this game is going to come down to a field goal. 
I saw Cincinnati gets all their wins last year anyway. This guy won a game by getting sacked nine times. And, you know, Ryan Tannehill just had seven turnovers in that game last year. So I think Cincinnati can win. And I I might even bet a money line just to see what happens. But give me Cincinnati, and I'm going to take those five and a half points for sure. Yeah, Malik. Yeah, we're definitely in agreement there. I'm taking Cincinnati too. I'm actually I'm actually more bullish on them than you are. Um, and I would bet them on the money line this week. Um really? Yeah, absolutely. Um I think the funny thing about Buffalo is, you know, there's been a lot of, I guess I don't want to say negative press, but there's been a lot of like the 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 tide is trending, is shifting a little bit on this team in terms of what they what the expectations uh are for them. Well, after the last couple cool. of weeks. Yeah, I mean, in terms of in terms of what their expectations are, but I think you know the the conversation around, you know, what happened, like there's been a lot of um they don't look as unbeatable as they did. Yeah, they don't look, you know, they don't look like a juggernaut, like the juggernaut that they looked like at the early, early on in the season. You know, there's a lot of talk about KC, there's a lot of talk about Cincinnati, and you know, not for nothing. This this game and the next game is the reason why they signed Von Miller. This is what Von Miller was supposed to be here for. Yeah. Um, the fact that they really did not look good as a overall team against uh Miami, to me, the the momentum of the DeMar Hamlin situation that happened in week 17 carried them into week 18 against um, where they had that big performance against New England was still present to some degree um, in the game last week against Miami where they just eke that out. But this is a different team coming in here. This is a confident team in Cincinnati. They've won what seven straight, six straight, something like that. Um, They are a team that finds ways to win because they have been here before. They've been to the Super Bowl. They've been where Buffalo hasn't. Buffalo has been trying to get to this place for a long time. They've been there and they've done it on the road. So this is a battle-tested, battle-worn team. I don't think I don't read too much into that Cincinnati Baltimore game last week. Again, that was just division rivals. These two teams know each other really well and they play each other really well and they they're just so familiar with one another. This is a different situation. I think Cincinnati can go in here and take a game pretty easily and they've the other thing that Cincinnati has shown is they can play you you know 38 34 they can also play you 19 16 yeah it doesn't matter they can as long as Joe Burrow and that offense has the opportunity to you know make something happen late in a game and they have time to do it they can do it and so Josh Allen can't throw any interceptions. He can't be he can't be that gunslinger that we know him to be. He's going to have to play smarter. I don't think it happens here. I think that that um that 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 carries over into this week and Cincinnati gets this win. So I'm definitely taking Cincinnati and I'm really confident on this and this is my first uh-huh. best bet. This is my best bet. Um I can't wait to see this game. This is my best bet of the week for Cincinnati to go into Buffalo and get a get a W. All right Bills fans, you heard it. Malik thinks y'all gonna lose. Oh, we'll be wrong, guys. Starting at left guard. So yeah, they lost their starting left guard. All right. They shouldn't be terrible. Yeah. He's a rookie, but 17 games. It's not like he's it's not like it's his first game in the league. 
Got it. There, yeah. So. Oh, and the pressure on defense from them in that last game, Hendrickson. He may not have had a lot of sack numbers on the season. I think he only only had eight, but like he's their you know sack leader. He was getting to the quarterback pretty. Mm-hmm. Good. He was also the one. He, he was the one. No, it was Hubbard. Hubbard was the one who picked the ball and ran it in for the TD. That was an mm-hmm. amazing play. I did. I was surprised that um, Mark Andrews wasn't able to catch him because he was not running really like he was running as fast <laughs> as he could. But Mark Andrews was like. He was. They showed the numbers. Like Mark Andrews' top speed on that was like twenty miles per hour, whereas his was like seventeen and a half. And I was like, "So you're telling me the dude was running three miles an hour faster? Basically got next to him, but because of the guys' blockers around him, he couldn't get right up next to him and take take him down." And I was kind of shocked by that. Mm-hmm. But um, you can't have a sack crumble in this game because that that's the difference in the game. It'll be all over. Yeah, but the snow will keep it lower scoring. But I think that favors Cincinnati because they got to. And as as a total receiving team, I think they're better. Eli Apple may be cocky and talking trash out there, so maybe better motivate Gabriel Davis to have a go off game like he did in the AFC no in the divisional round last year. But who knows? I like Baltimore's defense. Baltimore. I like Cincinnati. I like the Bengals defense. That B logo just confused me. I like the Bengals defense though. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna let you go first on the next one. Dallas at San Francisco. Old school NFC matchup all through the 80s and 90s. I think this is why it's at 6:30. I think everybody in their grandmother was watching that Cowboys game because man, that was all over TV on Tuesday. And they were ESPN was smart to get that game. Good luck to them. But um, San Francisco only minus four, and I think this is all because of how bad San Francisco beat Seattle and how bad Dallas beat down Tampa Bay. Because now everybody in their grandmother's got money to put on Dallas because they're like, yeah. well, they can. They're here. They're America's team and yada, yada, yada. But San Francisco's 8-2 and two in the last 10 at home against the spread. And Dallas is 4-4-1 four, four and one against the spread this season. Yeah, this is, this is, you're right. This is all the money coming in on Cowboys. I don't remember what this opened up at. I feel like three it opened up around, it opened up at three and a half. Okay. Yeah. Which is interesting because usually then if the number goes up, that means there's some San Francisco dollars coming in here. But I, I can't – it's funny because I, I think that the opening line at three and a half speaks to Dallas, speaks to you know Vegas knowing and understanding that these, that, that you know a good portion of the country is Dallas fans and they're going to be betting hard for their teams. And so um, I just think that's interesting that – there's no reason to believe that San Francisco, who's won, I want to say, like they're on a streak as well in terms of their, their you know, how many games that they've won in a row. Um, they have Brock Purdy, for nothing else, he's shown that he's capable of leading this team, you know, with all the pieces that he has to, at his disposal and all the um, all the guys here. I don't think he's lost a game yet, right? No, he hasn't lost a game no. in the yeah. NFL. Um, so it's 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 going to be really hard for a team that's scored 37, 37, 38, and 41 points in their last four games. It's hard for me to see them not being able to cover a spread against the Dallas Cowboys at home. Um I think this is a big opportunity for Christian McCaffrey. I think it's a big opportunity for all those receivers. Um, 
And I think San, San Francisco's defense is the is the linchpin here, is what wins it out. I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas won the game because I still think Dallas has plenty of talent and plenty of ability to and ability to explode. We, we've seen them do that multiple times this season. Um, but I'm not willing to pick it. So I'm going to take San Francisco and I will take the over in this game because San Francisco sneakily can get some points. They, they can score some points. It's not, they're not like a all defensive team. That's only going to score 17. They're going to play the hell out of some defense. And on the other side of the ball with, with all the weapons that they have, they'll put some points up on the board for against you too. So I can easily see that number going over 46. I'm think I'm saying something along the lines of 28, 24, uh, San Fran. Okay. I have a different opinion, and this is why I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna lay it out like this. I wanted to go second so I could just look this up to make sure I knew what I was talking about here. San Francisco lost to the Chicago Bears week one. I'm gonna throw that one out because that was in a monsoon. The next game they lost, they beat Seattle twice. This, these are the playoff teams they played: Seattle, Kansas City, the Chargers, Miami, and Tampa. They lost three games all year. One was to the Bears. Week one, Monsoon. All right, whatever. Then they lost to Denver, 11-10. to I think that was the game Trey Lance got hurt in. He got hurt week two. He got hurt week two. Jimmy Garoppolo came in and played. One touchdown. And it was before they had McCaffrey as well. Then they lost on the road to that juggernaut that is the Atlanta Falcons, 14-28. to Then the following week, they lost to Kansas City, who's the best team they played all year. And Kansas City beat the hell out of them. Kansas City destroyed that. Miko Hardman had two rushing touchdowns on two attempts. Juju Smith-Schuster had 124 yards receiving. Now, maybe Andy Reid just knows how to beat a Kyle Shanahan offense or D'Amico Ryan's defense because, I mean, he's been coaching since D'Amico Ryan's, since before D'Amico Ryan's was in the league. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes is just that dude. He can he threw 50 touchdowns basically his first year he started. He threw 41 touchdowns this year. So I got to chalk it up to that. But I just saw Dak Prescott destroy a defense that had pro bowlers on it last season and the season before. So maybe they're old, they're tired, the defensive scheme doesn't work, but it's the same defense coordinator that won the Super Bowl with him two years ago. And they were at home. San Francisco's playing at home. High is going to be 57, partly cloudy, no rain, no crazy wind, nothing like that. Dallas has two really good running backs. San Francisco has shown they can lose to bad teams. They, they, they lost to the Falcons, the Falcons and Denver. When everybody was calling it, they scored 10 points in the game. And I like to point out they were in, they were away for both of those games. So maybe that's what it was. I don't know. But you're giving the Cowboys four points. Dak Prescott is basically playing for. It, I'm not gonna sit here and say it's, it's it's his job, but they gotta feel really confident. Now, if they lose this game on a field goal, I, at this point, I wouldn't be shocked, considering their kicker was uh, shaving points last week, one extra point at a time, so they wouldn't hit the over. But if this game is played in the 20s, which is kind of where I expect it to be, 24, 28, 27, 21, somewhere, somewhere around there. I think they'll be just around that 46 number, which is exactly what the over-under was last week. I got to take, like, Dan Quinn 
was the head coach on the team that Kyle Shanahan was the last offense coordinator for when they lost to the forty when they lost to the Cowboys Cowboys when they lost to the Green Bay to the New England Patriots Jesus Christ to the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl that twenty eight to three game that was both of them that was both of those dudes together that's that's the great work that they did together they got to the Super Bowl with uh, an amazing offense Matt Ryan Julio Jones. And the other wide receiver, uh, Calvin Ridley. They have a stacked offense. They have a rookie quarterback. I think Matt Ryan was a better quarterback than Brock Purdy was back then than he is now, or Brock Purdy as Brock Purdy is right now. I think the Cowboys can win this game. They have arguably, basically, two defensive of the year candidates going up against each other's teams in this game, and Joey and Nick Bosa and Micah Parsons. Except one very important thing. The Cowboys have a much better secondary. Which means, unlike against Seattle, who has a great rookie in corner with Woolen or safety, I, I can't remember what position he plays, they're not going to be able to run the same play over and over and over again and keep completing the same pass over and over and over again. They could win, but I could easily see the Cowboys winning. So I'm taking the Cowboys here, mainly because... I think San Francisco's record is inflated because of how many terrible teams they played during the regular season. This is actually going to be the toughest game they've had to play in quite a long time. That 10-game win streak started against the Rams. It was the Rams, the Chargers, the Cardinals, the Saints, who they beat 13 to zip. That was the last game Garoppolo played. Then they beat Miami 33-17. They beat Tampa. They beat Seattle 21-13. Washington, that juggernaut that is the Las Vegas Raiders, they beat them 37-34. And then they beat the Arizona Cardinals again, who, as I mentioned last week in my shout-outs, have lost the most games in NFL history as a franchise. And then they beat Seattle, who was the seventh seed, who barely got into the playoffs. I think the I'm not going to say the Cowboys should win this game, but they can win this game, and they're playing against a rookie quarterback. So I think they could actually play man coverage and win this game. And I'm going to say Brock Purdy has had a lot of experience in college, so that helped them. And I think that's why they won last week. He did not play. He played great against that terrible Seattle defense. This is the best defense he's going to play probably all season. So I, I don't see him just coming out and just them destroying them. They were down to Seattle at half. They could be down to Dallas at half in this one. San Francisco's defense got lit up by the Raiders. The Raiders. Dallas's offense is better than the Raiders. They just are. They got a better quarterback. They have a much better offensive line. And I'm going to put my faith in Jason Peters, their left tackle, who will be 41 years old when this game is played. It is either his birthday or the day after his birthday. So I'm locking in the Cowboys. I'm locking in Cincinnati as my two locks of this week. And that is uh, the four games for us on the divisional weekend. Malik, you got anything else you want to add? I mean, that was a very compelling argument that you made for the Cowboys. I, I will, I will agree with you there. Um, and and I did say like that I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas won the game. Not at all. I think that they are the more talented team, top to bottom, than San Francisco. And I believe at some point, Brock Purdy has to show that he is a rookie. Um, 
I think that there's been a lot of hiding of of his rookie tendencies or his rookiness. The um, reason this dude was drafted in the seventh round, like no yeah. disrespect to him, but there has to be something that he's not good at that no one else has seen. Yeah. That and then if anybody knows Kyle Shanahan offense, it's the guy who he worked for in Atlanta for three seasons. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. he knows. It's Dan Quinn. Saw him every yeah. day in practice. They literally went over the game plan together. Yeah. So and I, you I like a Parsons, like it's got to help. Yeah. So it definitely wouldn't shock me if if uh, if Dallas won this game. So uh, I'm still not going to pick them. I'm still going to pick San Francisco <laughs> to cover because again, I'm I'm ve- I am very worried about the volatility of the Dallas Cowboys. They could come out yeah, and yeah. be horrible and and completely lay an egg yeah, and yeah. you know put themselves in a bad spot. So, but I also think that there's the added motivation from their side because if they win this game, in all likelihood they get to go play Philly again. Yeah. And I think that they feel pretty damn com- comfortable and confident about their ability to go to Philadelphia and get a win, um, despite how good Philadelphia is. So yeah. it's all it's look, it's all in Dallas's favor at this point. Dallas has everything to play for, nothing to lose. Go to San Francisco, get a dub. Um and San Francisco is, you know, I think LeVon had made a mention of it a while ago. You know, San Francisco is prime for a loss, <laughs> you know. They're due um, for a loss. They're due. They're due. <laughs> They've won 10 in a row. You know, yeah. not everybody wins. It, it doesn't happen like that. Like, you don't go on a 14, 15-game yeah. win streak and just win the Super Bowl like that. It's just, it's hard to do. Yeah. The so, Cowboys have played more playoff teams this year. I didn't even go into who their regular season schedule was. They beat Tennessee. They beat Philly. They every bad team they played, they beat the hell out of, except for Houston, who they were like they were probably sleepwalking through the game, and they still won that. They mm-hmm. beat they beat Indianapolis fifty four to nineteen. Yeah, I remember that game. San Francisco lost. Yeah, that's the game that got. Did that get somebody fired? I don't know. No, he was fired before then. That was when I was like, well, maybe Jeff Saturday doesn't know what he's doing. But then I was like, that's not really fair. The Cowboys had a much better team. And they were like, yeah. they're going to beat the hell out of them. They beat, you know, they beat Cincinnati week two. Now, I know that's yeah, a million years ago at this point, but, like, they didn't lose to any teams that were like, what the hell's going on? Except for yeah. Washington in week in the last week of the season when they were playing, and then they were like, ah, whatever, and they just mailed it. So yeah. I just have more faith in Dallas overall. Dak Prescott is the elder statesman at 28 years old, at quarterback that's left. <laughs> He's not the best quarterback left. Well, actually, he's the best quarterback left in the NFC. So we will see what happens, which is insane to say, but it's him, Brock Purdy, Jalen Hurts, and Daniel Jones. Jalen Hurts is legitimately an MVP candidate. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't, I would still say he's the, I would say he's number one in that, out of that foursome. Um, Better than Dak? With with Prescott. I think he's better than I think he's better than, I think he's better than Dak because he doesn't turn the ball over like Dak. Dak does, and Dak has a tendency to do. Well, so I would take him over Dak today. I'm believing Dakota. Um, I'm believing in Dakota. Let's go, Dakota. I think his middle name is Dakota Rain. Actually, yeah, not even joking about that. Uh, shout outs. I'm gonna get into my shout outs real quick. Shout out to the University of Buffalo Bulls for dropping 100 points in a college basketball game. Something I'd rarely see. 
which is why I don't watch college basketball because most of those games are played at a astoundingly slow pace. They end 65-47, It's just an interminably slow pace. These coaches don't trust the players and so they never can get up enough shots. But shout out to them for beating the hell out of the Bowling Green Falcons. I think this team has a lot of bright days ahead. Shout out to the New York Knicks, who always find a way to lose games like they did uh, against Toronto, who they've <laughs> been able to beat. Everybody was healthy. Unfortunately, Mitch Robinson got hurt again, so that sucks for us Knicks fans. And shout out to everybody who's enjoying the NFL playoffs and to all the players. I hope you all stay healthy. Hope everybody gets paid in the offseason and enjoy these game checks. And I'd not really have any negative shout outs to say, but to all the Miami fans, enjoy your season, man. Your team didn't fold, you know, like y'all actually stepped up. And to all the Baltimore fans, hopefully y'all can hold on to Lamar and uh, he doesn't end up in a Jets uniform. And to the Jets fans, I hope y'all do end up taking Tom Brady because that would be hilarious to me. It's like when Minnesota had a old Brett Favre on their team and they thought they were going to be, and they were in the NFC championship game. So I want to see Tom Brady in a Jets uniform in the AFC title game against the Kansas City Chiefs at Kansas City next year. That's what I want to see. Go ahead, Malik. <laughs> um, shout out to um, – we just talked about them. Shout out to the, the Dallas Cowboys for keeping themselves in this contention situation and keeping the conversation – uh, on ESPN, very, very fun, fun and interesting. Look, I'll put it this way: Michael Irvin is a, is a hilarious dude. Okay, and funny. I love, I love how much he loves his Cowboys. There is no, I can honestly say, I, I don't think there is a former player that goes as hard for their former team as Michael Irvin goes for those Cowboys. Um. On that's on TV, you're right. I think that's that's just a fact. And so the fact that they're still in there, shout out to shout out to them, shout out to Michael Irvin, and shout out to you know uh, to, to Stephen A. Smith and all of them for for keeping this entertaining over the course of these next couple of weeks. I want to I want Dallas to stay in it as much as possible, just for just for that purpose, uh, personally. Um, shout out to Byron Leftwich. Um, he was recently fired from his position as the offensive coordinator in Tampa Bay. And, and this is not like a, you know, tongue in cheek shout out. I'm, I'm giving a shout out to him because um, I can imagine how difficult it is to teach an offensive system to Tom Brady, who literally knows everything as it pertains to the offensive system that he wants to run. I don't think that Byron Leftwich is a bad coach, is a bad offensive coordinator. I just think he's in a situation where he was probably did not have the opportunity to really coordinate this offense, to do the play calling to, and all of those things. When you get into a situation where you're, you know, coaching a quarterback who, you know, who's who's whose entire whose career spans your entire career, because he got into the league before you and you left before him. So, and you were both quarterbacks. So um, it's kind of hard to, to like 
be that guy's coach, right? You're not coaching Tom Brady. Like, what do you, you know, what, what are you crazy? Um, but he took the blame so Todd Bowles could be a head coach. Exactly. He right. He took the hit. Head. He took the hit here. Um, and I hope he gets another opportunity because I believe that, you know, I, I believe that there's, there's a, there's some good, there's some good in the, in the coach and he can actually do some things. So shout out to him. I hope he finds another opportunity, another job. Um, shout out to the defensive line assistant coach who Tampa Bay also fired. Um, I don't know if you know that there was a woman, I can't remember her name, Lori something. Um, I want to find her name, but, um, she was a defensive line assistant coach that was that was uh, released, and it's it's interesting that all of these defensive coaches, defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators are getting are getting fired, and not as many head coaches are going. Yeah. It's all these it's all these coordinators who you know people are who people are who are like falling on the sword for you know poor play by the teams and the and the head coaches are sticking around, which I think is just an interesting. Uh, situation this time around it's also probably because of the fact that you know with the Rooney rule and with everything's going on with Brian Flores and the court cases and stuff like that teams are just reluct- more reluctant to get to cancel their head coaches because they got to deal with that whole shit on the back end <laughs> they got to deal with that on the back end of it so rather you know, just fire an OC no, they and, know and, they're gonna suck uh, next year so like who's gonna want this job anyway how about we just keep Todd Bowles yeah. and we can blame him and fire him for two more years and, you know, we'll see what it does. Yeah, but it's not just that. Like, like the Dolphins fired their defensive coordinator. Um, we did. talked about Greg Roman. Yeah, the Dolphins fired uh, the Josh Dolphins. Boyer. He should have got a raise. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. About? I saw that playoff game. Did you see? Chris yeah. Dolphins was all over them. Like, yeah. He scored two defensive touchdowns. What? The hell else you need me to do? They fired their DC. The Vikings fired Ed Donatel. Um, the game by which, scoring like eight points. Which I think that makes a little bit of sense. Minnesota's defense was not very good. Yeah. But, I mean, it's it feels like, the, like I said, a lot of these coordinators are getting fired, not the head coaches, which I just found very interesting. So shout out to them for hopefully finding, finding better opportunities out there. Shout out to my offensive coordinator, my Detroit Lions offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson for making the decision to go back to Detroit and saying not just not just for making the decision I mean he was clearly a, a leading candidate especially for that Carolina for that Carolina Panthers job um he was heavily considered for that role but he came out and he actually said that he believes in what's happening in Detroit he believes in what they're doing and wants to stick around and wants to be a part of it and you're not just hearing this from him you're hearing this from current players on this team, free agents on this team, um, and other and and free agents that are outside of this organization who appear want to want to come and play for the Detroit Lions and play for Dan Campbell. Which, you know, if you've been a fan of this team for more than the last three years, like that's not a thing. <laughs> it's not a thing. That's not never been a thing. <laughs> so, shout out Everybody's to everybody who's trying to get out of Detroit. Exactly. So shout out to culture changing. Shout out to, you know, and that's just not for Detroit, just going across the league. Shout out to who are, are making names for themselves and putting themselves in situations where, you know, players want to go there and want to play for them. So shout out to those guys. And uh, yeah, again, same, same as you, Ace. Shout out to everybody that's watching the games this weekend. It looks like it's going to be, it's going to be fun. We're going to enjoy it. So. And shout out to all those NBA fans. Um, 
I need somebody to bring down these Celtics, man. I live up here in New England, and they're getting a little too full of themselves. They won again tonight against Golden State in overtime. Yeah, can't have this. They're puffing their chest out too much. They're walking around these streets happy. And uh, I can't stand for it. Sorry. I'm not <laughs> here for this. Somebody's got to beat them. They're too good. They're too good right now. We will see oh, you all next man. week. We out. Later.